something that just is incredibly powerful. You know, the community creates this pressure around this idea and then kind of lifts this idea to life. I saw this, you know, beautiful blue color. I saw this kind of renewable energy. Uh, I saw this kind of nature made thing. It's not like artificial. It's just like a natural emergent property of nature. And so all these different things made me think of guys are being a cool word. Welcome to another episode of Light with Bitcoin, where we delve into the human side of Bitcoin by chatting with one Bitcoiner at a time to discover their life stories, personal growth, and challenges through the lens of Bitcoin. I'm your host, Vivian Chang. Thanks for tuning in. Today, the guest who will be joining us is Metamic, founder and CEO of Geyser, a Bitcoin native crowdfunding platform where you can fund project ideas with support from global communities. Geyser has been a valuable resource for developers, content creators, and Bitcoin businesses to take initiatives in building on the Bitcoin standard. To date, there are over 870 projects on the platform connecting community builders from all around the world. Uh, welcome, Vic. Hey, Vivian. Great to be here. I know that you've been working on Geyser for the past while, uh, but let's take a step back and talk about yourself. So could you tell me more about yourself? My background was very much... Um, I was always interested in uh, in the humanities from, from a bit of a different perspective than most Bitcoiners that are more technical. I studied anthropology and economics in university. We're always fascinated with the different uh, human cultures and and uh, and the evolution of human societies and kind of recognizing quite early on that technology was a fundamental uh, piece of, of of humanity. What makes humanity flourish? Very much a technologist in the sense, and I was really curious about. I think the interplay between humanity and technology. And although I, I completely dismissed Bitcoin early on in 2010 when I first heard about it, uh, much later on I decided to give it the adequate attention and kind of realize that actually Bitcoin is that technology is a technology technology of money. And uh, seeing it from that perspective helped me really appreciate Bitcoin as being this this thing that democratizes wealth um, through um, through the through deflation. Um, and having studied, studying economics, knowing how, how, how little economics, economists know about economics, uh, I, I appreciated Bitcoin uh, for its ability to really completely create a new paradigm. We connect on LinkedIn and I realized that we went to exactly the same schools. For yeah, that's right. <clears throat> I saw that as well. So uh, UBC in Canada and then uh, LSE in, 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 uh, in London. So that's funny. I don't think I've ever seen that before. So we're both like... People from a third place going to Canada and the UK for, for education. And you have a very interesting combination of back, uh, academic background, whereas you were studying economics. Uh, and then later on, you studied anthropology. For those of whom who are not familiar with the academic principle of anthropology, can you share with us what it is? Like, what's the central focus of the subject? And I mean, what's the difference between anthropology and sociology or psychology? Yeah, anthropology is very similar to sociology. Uh, socio anthropology is a little bit more concerned with... Uh, you know, uh, indigenous societies that uh, that live around the world to understand really their really the the, the other like uh, the other and sociology is often more interested in in kind of understanding society the modern society anthropology is more interested in understanding maybe ancient society or just a society that is very different and uh, why is that interesting is because by by looking at how societies are very different we can actually highlight uh, how different we are as well 
And I always did appreciate that evidence perspective, you know, of how people experience the world and like really sticking to the facts of, of, of daily life. I really like that, which is very different from, say, economics, which takes a very, very high level perspective of the world, which is very abstract. If you think about it, Bitcoin is actually sits right in the, in the intersection of economics and anthropology. They did study, uh, the, did study both anthropology and economics in university at UBC. So um, I think that helped me more because I was going to anthropology class, being taught one thing, and then you go to economics and you're taught completely the other thing. And, uh, and then I decided to pursue uh, kind of like a mixture of the two. The various differences, disciplines providing very, very different understandings of reality of the world. Anthropology I loved because it, it, it was all about the human experience. It was all about what is a human experience of the world and for different types of peoples. And then, you know, what is the, you know, the economic perspective of that? Well, yeah, you are, the more you are integrated in the global place, the more opportunities uh, you may have. Uh, the more exchange, the more wealth you may also have, but but so does also the experience. So it comes along with a lot of a lot of stress, a lot of expectations, you know, a lot of debt, and uh, and so bringing those two things together was really helpful for me. Um, and uh, what anthropology seeded in me was the understanding that there was something odd in the world. Um, in economics class, everything is nearly willy, everything is fantastic, growth is uh, off the off the charts. Um, experts are always right. You know, uh, Krugman is right. You know, Keynesian economics will keep keep on taking us further up in in in, in, in growth. Um, but what anthropology uh, helped see in me was was this critical perspective of, well, things aren't always great. Experiences are of the world are pretty pretty are pretty bad. There is this inequality that that exists in the world today. Um, but what I didn't agree with anthropology was this idea that inequality is due to um, is due to the market, the, the assumption that we are living in a capitalist free market system. And um, and that's where uh, learning more about money, uh, which is not something that either anthropology or economics had done well enough, uh, helped me appreciate, uh, well, the, 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 a lot of the problems of today, of, of inequality, of anomie, of, uh, um, you know, just uh, ultra fast paced environment is due to this um, this abuse of money that leads people to push really the the, the, the increase in, in money supply which pushes people to require much higher living standards uh, and therefore increasing just the wealth gap and and the opportunities and so forth so studying multiple disciplines helped me appreciate that no discipline was correct and that was incredibly valuable experience right for me that was you know learning different perspectives um, being introduced to Bitcoin and the Bitcoin standard for me remains the best anthropology book uh, ever written. It's really first and foremost a book about about humanity progressing through the through this this new technology, right? From fire, we went to 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 to, to the wheel, we went to 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 hard hard metals, and then we discovered more more and more technology that improves several aspects of our lives. And and Bitcoin so happens to be the best technology of money that we've invented or discovered. And so uh, it is an anthropological book in that sense. Uh, and uh, I, I owe it a lot to Saifedean for kind of opening my mind to it. Uh, and so for me, that was, uh, you know, really, really, <clears throat> really foundational. And uh, I, I learned, I learned that, 
you know, uh, every it all comes together, you know, through through Bitcoin, the anthropology, the economics. For me, it all really, really clicked and made sense. It seemed like there was a vacuum there, and, and Bitcoin was, was there perfectly set to fill it up. Pretty much at this point, every single guest of my show is orange pill by Safedine, like one way or another. <laughs> this is huge. Yeah, it's crazy. You said neither of the discipline studied money well enough. So where did you get that impression from? I took. Uh, economics courses um, that, that, for example, you know, monetary policy and uh, uh, macroeconomics and microeconomics, and nowhere ever do you get asked the question, "What is money?" And I guess the implicit assumption of 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 money is that money is fiat money. Money is a tool that economists have to tweak the economy and push it further and backwards. And so it's already implied that that it's already implied that money is a, is a tool uh, for um, not, it's money is not saving, money is a medium of exchange and a tool for economic, uh, for tweaking economic growth. And uh, I guess related to that is really, is, is you know, very much a Adam Smith perspective of, you know, money is, is the tool by which you achieve the wealth of nations, uh, but it's not the wealth of people, right? That's different. The wealth of nation, perhaps, because it's a tool for the state, um, but it's not the wealth of people. It's not, right? It's a very different thing. And when it comes to anthropology, uh, I yeah, there wasn't much. There wasn't much. Um, there was a David Graeber, a very famous uh, anarchist anthropologist who wrote a really good book called Debts. Uh, and it gets like 90% there, but it doesn't f- do that final leap of understanding that like what money is, uh, uh, you know, historically. It was anthropology that introduced me to the thinking of what is money for the first time. I read um, Homo sapiens um, in university, and there was a small blurb of um, chapter where where they were talking about money. And essentially, the conclusion is that in the book is that money is merely a network. Is because that people believe in this. I remember this specific moment when I was reading that and I, I felt like a light bulb went off. I talked to myself saying, I never, huh, I never really thought about money in this way. So later on, the, the idea of Bitcoin arrived a little bit easier because of, because of that. Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think there's a problem with that perspective though, because if you just assume that it's about belief, which is what, um, if you believe that money is just a belief system, then any belief goes, right? And so their belief is that, uh, you know, the one that the belief that will prevail is the one that is endorsed by by the by the powerhouse or the system that is the state, right? That's that's the assumption. The problem is that it, it doesn't look at the account of the, at the historical ex- existence. So it doesn't matter what people believe. The best money always wins mm, because of these true. properties. And one of them is well, the key one is how can you hack it? Can you hack a money? So if you believe that um, that uh, I don't know, uh, here I have a beer because it's nice and warm in the UK. If you believe beer is money, <clears throat> well, and you want to trade it, then I can just create an insane amount of, of beer and and start selling it to you and abuse it until and and bring it to basically worthlessness. So it doesn't matter. The belief system is true. It's important. But there's objective reality that will crush your beliefs until you, until you understand your beliefs are wrong. 
And that's what just Harari just doesn't understand. Just doesn't under, I don't know, understand why he doesn't understand it. Because it's if you just look at history, people believed that stone uh, rocks, uh, the rice stones, were money. And their belief system crushed against reality that, you know, the European sellers were trading with them everything that they had in exchange for easily um, created uh, rice stones. That's the same thing. The same story is the story for, for copper, for silver, for every single metal out there. F humans found a way to keep on hacking it until... And, and villages kept on dying and, 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 and basically this evolutionary pressure for better money came about. And today we don't even know why we call it the gold standard, but tradition is, is what basically instills in us this idea that, that gold is good, that there is a gold standard. Gold standard is made of, of, of gold. And, and, and so it's stories, it's, uh, this is where the belief is grounded by reality. It's not just a belief, an ethereal belief. So yeah, this is where I think it's so critical to understand how the, the objective nature of this is where anthropology fails. Uh, you know, just saying everything is relative, uh, and this is where Harari also fails. But there is a an objective axiom that uh, Austrian economics tells us more about um, around just these properties that are fundamental that uh, enable human flourishing and that evolutionarily win over everything else. It's just that people don't realize even after centuries and we forget these things. Um, and most people didn't even learn to them learn about them consciously. They just learned about them through habits uh, and myths and legends and and uh, and things like wearing jewelry like made of gold, right? And then you just know that you have to you just know that gold is good because it's beautiful and it's seen as you know a religious um a religious ornament and God, you know, for many religions is uh, gold is, 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 a, is a divine rock. So all these religious cultural metaphors go back to gold being the better money. That's all that, that's all it is, right? It's just uh, trying to uh, crystallize this idea in our lives. And you're absolutely right. I think what it helped me understand is previous to that, I've never thought about it. Like I've just never thought about what is money at all. Um, so this really opened the door of starting to think about that question and it also made me realize that it's it's because what you're describing basically is fiat is people believe in it people it's a belief system but people think it works and, and they don't think twice about it um until someday it doesn't mm -hmm. um and it's happening right in front of our eyes beliefs can collapse um yeah. and i think this is something that later on helped me understand because i i remember reading it from the past that it's merely a belief that if you shift your belief if you shift your perspective then it may not as um it may not be as solid as it seems so um i definitely feel like for just average individual like for people who are trying to get into bitcoin doesn't know where to start and sitting on the fence reading about something like anthropology history history especially history anthropology um, and psychology like these are the things will ultimately help aren't people's like a little bit easier than reading about economics and i think that's the problem with economics today is that it um it envelops economics in all this comp and all this jargon of numbers that actually are very 
calculus is not a very complex thing. If you think about the nature of reality, calculus is pretty, pretty simple, pretty basic kind of material reality. You know, the physicists of the 1980s, of the 1800s, they thought they had understood reality uh, through just mechanical physics. And um, we know since then that we have, that reality is much more complex, right? We know that, um, you know, we, we know that we have, you know, that there is relativity. We know that there is, uh, you know, time works very differently. It's not just a clock that ticks, you know, exactly the same way. It's, it's, the reality is complex, much more complex. And, and yet economics even today is, is grounded on, on the 1800s physics of calculus, pretty much, pretty much. So it's, uh, it's trying to create economics today is just creating a lot of unnecessary complexity to make people believe. And, and this is, this is where the word belief comes in as well, because it's all about belief. It's about belief in the economists, belief in the economic machinery. And um, by throwing around a lot of jargon, a lot of complexity, you ask people, you say that they're experts and uh, you say who the experts are, who the experts are not. Uh, and then you chart a nice linear, you know, graph or a parabola and you say, oh, you know, uh, this is how the world works. And it's just, uh, it's not, it's a lot more complex. The, the biggest problem of it being that as soon as you have a central, uh, a spigot, where you can let the money flow from, you will have a central point of failure where every some of the biggest institutions in existence, and these are big private monopolies or you know corporates, will try to harness, will try to get access to that spigot. And this is true for, it's been true now for 50 years with uh, the military industrial complex. We've seen in the last five years that it's been true for the pharmaceutical complex. They've been successfully able to access the spigot of power and mint for themselves at no costs trillions of trillions of dollars with no repercussions and no right. So like they they, they printed eight trillion dollars. Whether you agree with vaccination vaccines or not, eight trillion dollars went towards the pharmaceutical industry to develop the vaccines uh, with no, it wasn't a loan, it was direct money for R&D, which we know very little has actually been done um, in terms of the R&D. It's for, for all these big corporations that need to find a nice narrative for them to have access to the spigot of power. And it's just the, it's just the nature of having this central point of failure is that who, who gets access to it, who's able to craft a story that people will believe in will then have the ability to get access to this and and uh, and win and win because then it's ultimate winning because you can you can decide the numbers right you can craft a strong enough narrative to um, to do that and uh, Bitcoin is that alternative is that system that nobody can can offset it's a system that nobody can can um, can access through a spigot of power. And make more Bitcoin, and so it's the literally the polar opposite of the fiat system, and so it's a, uh, so I think, so that's a crazy thing about Bitcoin, right? Is that it doesn't matter the political leniency that you have, you know, it doesn't matter if you're left or right. Um, the the key to understanding it, it, it to understanding its power and its use, is the fact that whether you believe that it's big pharma 
or you believe it's like this big centralized entities, both are both have a role at play here in, 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 in messing things up. And so the point is not who is doing it. It's just the ability they both have to abuse our power, uh, abuse our power of money, uh, take control over money and do what they feel is best at that point. So it can be very short-sighted and uh, uh, lots of, basically lots of unintended consequences. And just like you said, how um, Keynesian economics defines money is very within, is very much within the fiat mindset, which is it, it serves the state rather than the people. And that ultimately, make, ultimately, as we're seeing today, that everything is getting politicized. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a really good way of putting it. It's becoming politicized because those who get in power and, and can then craft a narrative and get access to those funds. To this day, what do you think Bitcoin is to you? Bitcoin is a bit like a, like a mirror to reality for me in some way. It's, a, it's this, this, this new untainted thing that reflects ourselves back. And we're able to look at our, our own society, uh, our own belief system, as we were discussing what we think we know and uh bitcoin can kind of reflect back something that looks a little bit different and uh it has a lot to teach us it's almost like resetting humanity or providing this alternative this escape hatch um to see the world uh differently and uh, in a more yeah in a more grounded historical way if and um when we reach hyper bitcoinization one day and fingers crossed and how do you think it will go down in history. In the discipline of economics, both economics and anthropology, how do you think Bitcoin will be portrayed in these academic disciplines? I think uh, recognizing Bitcoin as for what it is, which is a uh, an innovation, a discovery uh, that that changes our our perspective on uh, on our previous beliefs, right? So, anthropology helping us reevaluate the role of money, um, helping us reevaluate, basically helping us. I think it can lead to a renaissance in terms of understanding humanity uh, again and looking at it from this objective standpoint of of how technology is helping us achieve uh, new thresholds in what humanity can accomplish. I think that would be incredible. And then with an economics, I think also, I mean, that's going to be really hard because the entire economic discipline is is being challenged by the existence of Bitcoin. <clears throat> you don't need this centralized pool of experts that decide the monetary policy, Bitcoin is the monetary policy. Uh, you'll still need economists, but probably not as many, uh, which would be a great thing. People have to get to work and actually build stuff. Um, so I think, yeah, I think just uh, <clears throat> being more, uh, I think it can teach these all these students to be more humble, um, to be more like, uh, to be more objective and grounded on on, on these axioms to be grounded on on uh, objective improvements in, in, in humanity um, and what society can accomplish and um, yeah and hopefully just get us busy building you know and uh, stop talking and stop discussing our opinions because a lot of it is just opinions and everyone's got opinions and Bitcoin just says like get to work you know you need to <laughs> you need to build things and and that's what humanity is humanity is Hopefully it helps us be more engineer focused around building uh, the future using mm -hmm. Bitcoin as well. Yeah, be a 
more more on the proof of work uh, side and yeah. then just be actually actually be actually productive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, let's talk about Geyser. How did you make the leap of becoming an entrepreneur um, if you weren't before and started Geyser? And where, where did the name come from? No, I, I didn't have a previous um, entrepreneurial background. I was part of a startup for a year and a half before Geyser. Um, uh, which was in the Ethereum space. I, I worked there because uh, actually I, I joined that I was it wasn't, and then uh, it sort of pivoted to being an Ethereum company, uh, which was for me an interesting experience. Uh, I was open-minded. I was already very much a Bitcoiner, but I was trying to be open-minded and see what I could learn from it. And I learned a great deal. Um, the Ethereum ecosystem in 2020 and 2021 was, was bustling with activity. And so it did give me a few ideas of, just first of all, you may have asked the question like, why the hell doesn't aren't all these builders building on Bitcoin? Um, but then I noticed a lot of you know a lot of these uh, a lot of creatives using using it to to sell tokens to sell well to sell like these digital these NFT tokens as well. And uh, and what was what I felt was interesting is that there were a lot of these crowdfunding platforms on Ethereum that were helping to create a, an ecosystem on on on, it, on Ethereum. So. I thought that was interesting. I couldn't see any of those in, on Bitcoin. Uh, for me, that was an interesting, definitely an interesting uh, uh, perspective. But what really triggered me to, to to build Geyser was, well, first of all, that I, I didn't want to waste my time on Ethereum anymore. I thought it was uh, a bit of a waste of time. It wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to, you know, whether Ethereum will exist or not in the future is another question. I just felt like Bitcoin was what mattered. Bitcoin is what changes things. Bitcoin is the new money of the internet. So plus on top of that, you have Lightning, which makes Bitcoin so much more usable, so much more scalable to the world um, and a joy, really a joy to, to use. So um, so with that, I was like, we need to start building tools on, on Lightning. I started running my node. I started noticing that there were like the, the infrastructure is there. You know, and uh, we needed our applications that make Bitcoin more usable and more more easy to use. And so, on top of that, I um, I started noticing that a lot of people on Bitcoin that I followed on Twitter were had these all these ideas to to do things to like uh, build a co working space or come together in a community or orange pill some people on the streets. And I thought every time people were sending QR codes, LNURL codes. Uh, in on Twitter directly, and I thought it was such a such a bad experience, and I kind of realized that what they were doing was crowdfunding. They were pulling their funds together to make something happen. Also, so it was really a confluence of the, the technology coming together, Lightning coming together, people, a lot of the Bitcoin community kind of coming up with all these different new ideas and wanting to use Lightning, um, and then just Bitcoin being the best money. And uh, and the infrastructure, so it was all, all these different things coming together, made me kind of start working on this idea of like building a crowdfunding platform on Bitcoin, um, and so then I, uh, I I I proposed it to uh, this friend of mine that I met on Twitter a few a few years before, uh, Stelios, and uh, showed them some user U UIs, some some designs of of what Geyser was. And he decided to join, join in on this on this uh, on this uh, journey, and then the name Geyser came from from our discussions. He, I think, I remember one day he said, "What about Geyser?" 
And uh, I don't know why, I still don't know why today, why he said it, I need to actually ask him. But for me, it sparked this idea of like, okay, something that just is incredibly powerful, if this pressure made for me, you know, the community creates this pressure around this idea and it kind of lifts this idea to life. Um, that's sort of how I see it. I saw this, you know, beautiful blue color. I saw this kind of re renewable energy. Uh, I saw this kind of nature made thing. It's not like artificial. It's just like a natural emergent property of nature. And so all these different things made me think of geyser being a cool word. Our marketplace is um, flooded with bit something. <laughs> so it's actually quite uh, refreshing to have something that's have a very natural tune to it. Approach naming from, from ab abstract meanings and from something that can evolve into a metaphor into yeah. what we're doing in this space. So it's a really great name. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I agreed. I think it's a pretty cool name. You know, it's very vibrant color and... Um, yeah, and this, uh, you know, this beautiful G with the lightning in the middle, as you can see there. Um, yeah, so I'm mm -hmm. quite happy with uh, how it evolved. And you haven't been around for too long. And I've checked that you have now have more than like almost 900 projects and you have 23 plus Bitcoin raised. And with um, 40,000, over 40,000 contributors over the world, that's really impressive. And um, there's so many diverse projects on the platform. You share some examples of the type of um, projects that have found a home on the platform and the impact they're making. Definitely. I think there's three key meta categories you can look at. So one is Bitcoin education. That's probably the, the biggest. Uh, and it's just basically projects that have that are seeking to, to bring Bitcoin more to the world by educating the world. So we have some very big projects on Geyser, including Mi Primer Bitcoin, who is raising funds to just uh, keep on improving their schools. And um, you have Anita Posh, you have all sorts of creators that are using Geyser to help them to, to, to send contributions using Lightning, using OnChain, um, and really easy for them to set it up, set up a page. Then you have... Uh, creatives you you have a lot of creative projects you know you have board games you have a uh, bitcoin trading card games you have you know even video games so geyser can be used just not just a donation platform but a place where you can sell we say sell anything but you know you could be selling perks you can be selling badges you could be selling actual physical objects or board games um, and that that represents a very very big amount of funding that happens on guys, I think around 50% uh, is is um, our reward-based crowdfunding. And then you have communities. So communities are, um, you know, uh, it, it kind of related to education, but you may be, uh, in, in, you know, you want to set up a, a, a meetup somewhere and you want to help raise funding to to buy drinks for everyone or something like that. That has happened happen also quite a bit. Um, you have a community in the metaverse uh, that is, uh, I think there's a project called the Orange Mart that they have a server, a Rust server, and they play they play together. And it's really community coming together through play. And then you also have builders, uh, like developers, open source development. There's also a bit of that, but... In terms of people who are looking to start a project on Geyser to gauge community support, can you share a little bit of the vetting process? How, how does it work in the back end? No, it's entirely self-serve. So... Creating a project is incredibly easy. You you go to the platform, it takes uh, two minutes. Um, 
you have to add your yeah you add your project information and it just goes live right away and we did this because very much counter the whole you know ethereum or crypto space where it's all about artificial scarcity we said no let's just make it's bitcoin is all about accessibility it's all about making creating an open space for people to to share their their share funding so why why are we limiting it let's just keep it absolutely open um for me, it didn't make any sense to, to, to limit it and gate it. Um, so anyone can create a project um, and it's really part of the ethos and the idea that Bitcoin is the money of the world and the fact that people in third world countries do not have access to this tool of crowdfunding. So if you think about GoFundMe, Kickstarter, they only work in 30 countries. Um, as I've said this many times, like in South America, in Africa and Asia, there may be platforms there that are specific to that region, but they don't cross over with other regions. So it remains fragmented, uh, fractionalized, localized, and Bitcoin is just this open thing. So any, and that's that's a beautiful thing, guys, is that 50% of projects come from countries that are are not crowdfunded and around 50% of contributions also comes from, from uh, from there. So, it's incredible to see just the amount of funding happening on the platform across borders. It's just, it's just beautiful to see that. Um, so yeah, so basically it's super easy to create a project. We we only, you know, we have our terms and regulations. We still are a company and are liable. So we have to, you know, uh, watch out if you're, you know, doing illegal activities. We'll have to look. We'll have to take a look and and possibly take take the project down. Um, you know, we don't recommend using Geyser for like fully non, you know, fully censorship resistant type uh, activity. Um, we plan to be more, more to decentralize Geyser more in the future. Uh, we have, we're actually working towards it. Uh, nothing I can reveal just yet, but, uh, but, it, but it's, uh, but yeah, as a company, we will always have to, yeah, we're always will be a single point of failure. So if you're looking to start your own militia, uh, don't don't go on Geyser. You know, use BDC Pay Server or <laughs> something else because uh, Geyser is still a company. I bet as a as a business, so much it's gonna be very much easier to um, set up a crowdfunding platform with Bitcoin. Because if you imagine a platform like GoFundMe, the type of regulatory hoops they have to jump through just to be able to receive payments from international banks and just to set the gateway up it's going to be a massive headache and they can only do so much of that in in different places and in many places they won't be even they won't even be able to do it versus you guys um on geyser it's global and and we're non-custodial so i should probably clarify this uh but we you know gofundme uh they custody all the funds um, you know, same with Kickstarter and all the others. While Geyser, all the funds go straight to the creators. We don't custody any funds. Um, again, funds go straight through, so we we cannot yeah we cannot freeze any funds. Um, we may have to if a project is doing illegal activities, we'll have to possibly take the project down, but we can never take their funds. But that goes further into the principle of. Um don't trust verified, right? Because it's up to the investors, uh, the, up to the supporters as well to do yeah, due yeah, diligence yeah. on their part to make sure that the projects they they choose to believe in are um some are a solid decision that they can't rely on a a, a gate gate man to yeah. um 
really um, help outsource that decision making. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. You know, absolutely. The fact that we make it so easy means that there will be some scams. There will be scammers. And so it's up to the individual to to do the proof of work. Now, where guys are, we plan to do more work on is 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 making this evidence more clear. So if a project is is say has zero followers, is the creator has zero followers on Twitter, uh, if uh, if 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 you know if there is all sorts of activity that may may yeah if the project is completely disconnected from the social graph, then there is reason to suspect that maybe the project is not legitimate. Um, that's why we always recommend creators to, to use their, their creator, their, their existing Twitter account, because that's really what creates that social graph dynamic. So yeah, I really, yeah, that's, that's, that's free. And, and, and it's also, it's on us. It's on us also to, to make that, that discovery easier to, uh, show that the existing trust based on existing social networks. Um, yeah, so we plan to do more on that too. Um, do you see similar risk project on Geyser if Geyser get into something that's heated and is are there any centralized power in the place to um, shut you down or limit your your platform? Yeah, so Geyser is still very small, so that's uh, that's probably still unlikely. But um, if we were to grow substantially, then yeah, then uh, so what happened with GoFundMe is that they actually froze the accounts of um, how was it? Yeah, they, they froze all the accounts of the um, of people who of the, f- the funds that were being received, and also they froze the bank accounts of those who sent the money, which was the crazy bit, right? Um, now that's, that's, that's not possible with, with, but also there were some funds that were being sent using Bitcoin. And what they did is that they tracked those addresses and were able, some of the addresses were on Coinbase and they were able to freeze and take those funds. I think one third of all Bitcoin sent one third, I think was, was taken. So it's a, you know, you have to be careful. You have to be careful with this stuff. And it's not like Bitcoin is, will solve it right away. But what, what solves it is non-custodial practices. So Geyser makes it easy for you to run. You can connect your node on Geyser, uh, and in which case Geyser is free of charge, right? So if you use your node, all the funds go straight into your node. We've got nothing to do with it. We cannot freeze any funds. Even if you use your Lightning address, again, we cannot freeze. If the government says, take this project down, we're going to have to do that. So that's why I recommend if you're doing something, you know, uh, in the gray zone, uh, or, or just don't don't use Geyser. Like uh, Geyser is not for that. Geyser is for the peaceful revolution. Uh, Geyser is for the ninety nine percent that just wanna crowdfund their you know their ideas. Um, as I said before, there will be more tools that Geyser will make available for these types of censorship resistant uh, activities. Um, it'll it'll come. Just uh, just not. It just they're not out yet, but um, there will be more of that in the future. Mm-hmm. I see. And um, are there any tips that you can share to maximize the impact of a geyser project? So, based on your experience with the successful, more successful projects on the on the platform, are there any um, tips you can give um, commonalities for upcoming projects to t- take note and hopefully um, have more support? And more visibility social connecting with the social graph having a community uh, is really really powerful sharing your project sharing your idea 
getting feedback on the idea. All these are incredibly powerful. Selling rewards, not just asking for donation, is also equally powerful. Um, um, yeah, we have a, a resource for for new project creators that they can consult to learn more about it. Um, but yeah, all these different things, recognizing contributions, you know, thanking the funders. Um, and right now, Geyser is very much focused on just helping people fund as easily as possible. Um, but in the future, we plan to add more in terms of helping the creator create a community around their project. Because we notice that the projects are their ideas, but they're also where the ideas flourish. And uh, creators are using Telegram or uh, Twitter or Discord uh, groups. And, and sometimes that mean, creates a bit of a fragmented experience. Something, we, again, we need to work on is that it, 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 it takes effort to share your project. Although that's what most successful projects do is that they just share their projects on Twitter on in, in their bio. But it does take effort every time you have a, an update to share the project. So we plan to do more on that so that if you release uh, a new update on the Geyser project, that project will, that data will actually be broadcasted out to your socials much more seamlessly. So uh, we plan to, so we plan to really make it easy for you to, to make Geyser the place, like you said before, really well, become the home and, um, and, and help to take that idea forward through the community contributions, uh, could be monetary contribution, could also be ideas, feedback, right? These are, this is equally, if not more valuable because it creates that dynamic environment for an idea to grow. And I see another uh, exciting thing on the platform is the grants. You're working with more Bitcoin companies these days to have a support space and for people who have great ideas. Can you tell us a little bit more about the grants, making guys at the home of these projects? What are some other goals and aspirations that you're working on? Yeah, so the grants are really uh, a powerful tool because we, we, we realize that, you know, we are still early days and the amount of funding happening on Geyser is still limited by the by the number of people using Bitcoin, right? And so when it comes to, yeah, when it comes to increasing that, well, we know that there are, you know, Bitcoiners out there, OG Bitcoiners that that just want to support the Bitcoin ecosystem and Geyser ends up being a very powerful tool to do that. And so we partner with some, some, some Bitcoin OGs that are happy to donate a few funds uh, to these grants and the funds of which go to very, very, very worthwhile initiatives that support Bitcoin, the Bitcoin ecosystem. So we've now had four, actually, yeah, it's been uh, five grants now. Some of them are big around one Bitcoin uh, to, to some of being a lot smaller, like 0.1 Bitcoin. Um, but all of these go towards builders, educators, community builders, visual artists, people that are doing great open source work on Bitcoin and helping Bitcoin adoption. Um, so yeah, it's been incredibly powerful, incredible way to also grow, uh, bootstrap and grow Geyser and create a, a name of ourselves as a, as a, as a go-to crowdfunding platform. Um, and we hope to just really continue this and keep building, keep, keep having grants that can support these early projects that are maybe artists in the early days, right? Um, maybe they just need a really good reason to just get started. And in fact, I think, uh, I've heard from the story from a lot of people that the grants was like, okay, wow, I was going to do this, but this is an, a really good incentive to just launch my idea and start getting 
getting support from community and even get some funds through the grants. And even if it's just a couple hundred dollars, uh, it ends up being, you know, a mental switch that people do to to, to say, okay, well, you know, at least it's a, it's a starting point. So um, the idea is to keep growing this, to keep scaling the Geyser grants, keep enabling creators to go out there and 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 build stuff on Bitcoin, educate the world about Bitcoin, and so forth. So it's a it's a powerful tool, and we hope to continue developing it. You're absolutely right because when someone starts a new project, it's not it doesn't really matter in a way how how much of a financial support they receive because I imagine this to be starting something walking in a pitch black place and you're you're walk you're trying to find the the end of the tunnel and finally see some light and if you're at the you're if, if you're already at the end of the tunnel then um a candle lit it's not going to make much of a difference but if you're walking in the very beginning of the tunnel if you're handed a candle then it's going to make a huge difference in how you're navigate into th- th- these different situations and your conviction and it provides so much mod- mo- uh, motivation and warms into encourage you to continue like i experience this on a daily basis i'm fairly new into this podcast um the first one just launched like two and a half months ago, perhaps. Um, I've re- I've been lucky enough to receive a lot of community support. Sometimes I wake up to messages telling me, oh, I tune into your podcast and this is what I think. And it honestly makes my day. And it's not even about sats, right? It's it's about people, um, your, your proof of work gets recognized and people see value in what you do um, and they like your style and they give you constructive feedback to help you make the project better. And I think that's the power of the Bitcoin community. People are seriously in this together and they're willing to reach out and they're willing to lend a hand whenever ever needed. And I want to be that person for um, in the space as well, right? So I definitely see huge value in getting something started with... Um, little candles handed out um, outside. Yeah. yeah, I love that metaphor. Right. Um, so did you have you do you think you've encountered some challenges when you're in, in the journey of building Geyser so far? Finding, you know, things worth building that are venture backable uh, was also a learning experience. You know, there's plenty of incredibly useful tools you can build and people have built out there that don't need venture funding. And so uh, venture funding can come in if if you think you have something that can that can go viral, right? Then you have something that can compete on the marketplace of ideas, you know. So as Geyser, we are you know the landscape is you know is currently uh, you know we're one of the few crowdfunding you know basically you could say one of the few Bitcoin applications. Like there's not that many venture backed application platforms out there and so you know you know we're out there you know still very early days we're still pre-seed funded right so uh still very early days but you know we're trying to um to, we're not even trying to compete really but i guess you could say like the broader ecosystem involves places like twitter places uh, tools like substack discord um Patreon, Kickstarter, like these are all tools that currently creators use on the web to monetize in some form or another. And 
you know, we're we're in a very good place, I think, because you know we leverage the best money ever. We use Bitcoin. Um, we also have plans to engage and and build more on Noster. So Noster is is also incredibly powerful social social network uh, type tool that, if integrated with, can can also really uh, boost what you can do on Geyser. So there there is a so I guess basically what's you know what's been challenging is just wrapping your head around all the complexities of what's going on and uh, what's for me it's just super exciting because it's really trying to put the puzzles together right you know we were as a bitcoiner I knew that bitcoin was this piece of the puzzle that was missing um and then <clears throat> Noster was this other piece of the puzzle that it came it came slowly but we were eventually really able to to understand the the massive potential that it can it can provide um especially for broadcasting activity um not you know we go from a platform that is an island <clears throat> to being uh, an island with highways in some way it's a, it's a very powerful thing that Nostra does so so putting all these pieces together has been what's really challenging but also incredibly exciting i think what i'm trying to so grapple my my head around is is this idea that i think we're building something that both at Geyser and I think overall the Bitcoin ecosystem and on Oster, we're building this this new creator economy. We're building this this new thing that just doesn't exist. And again, to me, this is what's super exciting and yet really challenging because there's no word for it. It's just this new thing. This this we used to work, you know, in, in brick and mortar places. Now there is this is opportunity to to create an economic system. Yeah, on the web, on Bitcoin, on these decentralized protocols. So there's this new thing happening. There's this new marketplace of ideas. Where does it stop? Where are the limitations? And and I think that's, that's the challenge is it's impossible right now to define where the limits are. It's a new paradigm. It's like ending up in a new continent and not knowing how far off the continent will go. It probably has limits, but and there's a lot a lot that that's going to be possible in it it's the process from 0 to 1 from having nothing at all to having something and continue to build upon that and that's super exciting and this is a common consensus where i chat with people working bitcoin and people believe even people just believe in bitcoin the time on bitcoin standard it's so it seems like it's so much faster and it's so much more compact in the sense that within a short, relatively short period of time, so much can happen. If you continue to put in the work consistently, then it gets noticed um, in, the, in the space and it gets noticed for the value you have provided um, and the, the contribution you've made into the ecosystem. And people genuinely appreciate that and they want to help you. Um, so it's definitely a very good problem to have, I would say. The fact that you're global and it's literally available for everyone and anyone with internet, yeah. um, that they can start a project, they can contribute and they can support. Like it's, yeah. it's huge because all of these people, we all need Bitcoin one way or another, wherever we are, right? Um, so there's... Um, the huge, huge potential. The whole thing around borderlessness is incredibly, incredibly powerful, right? And you have geographic borderlessness, right? Anyone with the internet connection can use Geyser. But then there is the borderlessness when it comes to the platform versus the protocol. So again, as I mentioned before, the island analogy, right? Uh, as an island, there's still borders. Right now, Geyser is still a platform. But were it to be much more integrated within a protocol of 
of information of um of events well geyser is not just borderlessness from the perspective of geographic access but is borderless from the information availability perspective as well guys are going to look very different uh in the future and it's you know really aiming to achieve this like openness openness connectedness of ideas of people um to make these it's the same vision right the same idea of making ideas happen and one other thing i find specifically exciting about bitcoin companies is that a lot of or, or bitcoin initiative in general is that we are the kind of people that are willing to take the risk and have the courage to build in public. And the fact that you put together a product uh, or a service or something uh, of your ideas into, throw it into the void and see how it goes and uh, get get feedback from here and there and work on it continually, watch, watch it evolve with, along with the community all in public, it means that people can really in a way grow attached to the progress and they, they feel like they're they're part of it and they grow a emotional attachment and they grow emotional sentiments towards the project itself and that's beautiful because the end of the day we're all humans and the fact that we as individuals to grow along with something bigger than us to something with something that we believe in is hugely motivating on an individual Absolutely. level because you see all these chain, positive changes happening and then you start to reflect, what can I do? What can I do with my life? What, can I, what should I be doing with my own ideas? And Geyser provides a perfect platform to do that on the Bitcoin standard. So truly well done. And lots of great things, lots of great projects will be, be um, you guys will be the safety in the crowdfunding space. Let's, do <laughs> Let's it. put it this Let's way. Let's do it. Where's the best place to stay close to your work and stay close to Geyser? We're we're quite active on Twitter, on Noster, uh, Geyser Fund. You can find us pretty easily in both uh, Twitter and Noster. Uh, we have a Telegram as well, which you can join and uh, get to know more about. Um, yeah, add feedback, give us feedback. Um, you know, we sometimes provide product ideas, looking for feedback from the community. Um, and uh, yeah, soon enough we'll be making yeah some some important announcement that will make it easier for developers out there if they want to contribute in some way to do so more more openly any final thoughts um for the live with bitcoin audience bitcoin is a is a, is, a, is really uh, a process and uh, everyone has their own journey uh, to it um what's important to know is that it requires yeah it requires really changing uh sometimes Sometimes not, but it does sometimes require changing a, a, a lot a lot of what you thought was true um, and uh, learning, uh, a lot of learning and, you know, thinking about the technical per think perspectives, you know, what is money, think. So so it definitely requires an open-mindedness, but it's also what makes it so exciting and, uh, and so interesting because you get to learn so much from really, really smart people. So, yeah, so really vouch for anyone just to get going, learn, uh, keep keep kind of uh, uh, putting, giving fire to this, to this curiosity because uh, it leads down some really interesting paths, good paths, good paths. Bitcoin I bet. Yeah, good. I bet. Yeah. I can, I can attest to that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, Mick. And um, it's been great to have you. Best wishes to Geyser. I think you guys are up for a great future.
along with all the contributors in the space who will be uh, using Geyser as a main battlefield um, to really fuel their their passion and ideas. So um, we're in this together. <laughs> Thank you so much, Vivian. It's been a pleasure.